0: This is the Total Football Podcast, I am Declan Hart,
1: and I'm Andrew Conway.
0: Let's get on with the show! This fellow Ronaldo is a cod. Arsene Wenger has been in Japan for a year, they don't know anything in English football. I have nothing to say, I'm so sorry I have nothing to say. It's the history of the Tottenham. But this action is really incredible, incredible. If you don't know the answer to that question, then I think you you are, you are an ostrich. The big news story of the week boiled over on Sky Sports on Sunday afternoon when Graham Souness tore apart Kurt Zuma ahead of West Ham's class clash with Leicester City. Should Zuma be banned for a year, as soon as suggested, or is this story getting way overblown?
1: Well, like, it, it's it's not overblown. It is a story. It is a stupid story. It is in the realm of Patrice Evra with the chicken breast, but obviously a far more serious thing happening in it and the presence of children in in this clip. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's the Kurtzuma kicking around a cat in his kitchen with his brother, I want to say, and his child is there, or somebody's child is there uh, watching it. It's, it's a very odd instance, but... Um, but in terms of being banned, like there, there is, I don't want to go, go too far down the, down the line of this, but I know, I'll see what you have to say about it. But you know, was it Miguel Antonio was the one who was saying the thing about, um, you know, there's a lot worse things happening in the world. And we don't give this uh, attention to any racist incidents that happen or any violence against women that happen or anything like that. And while he is completely correct in that regard, and I think that's a, a another broader question around media coverage of something, and and the chasing the twenty four hour news cycle and Twitter chasing after who's the bad person today, um, there is a bit of equivalency happening there, which doesn't isn't really warranted. Like it's it's trying to just reduce the impact of him having done something wrong, um, and having to pay repercussions for it. Um, whether it's something as serious as, as what Miguel Antonio said, or whether it is something that's still quite serious, obviously at a different level of of cruelty to animals and and the you know the role model nature of of things and all that, <laughs> yeah, I I don't think it massively changes my opinion of any footballer. I think footballers inherently are not role models by any stretch of the imagination I think anyone who's ever met a footballer would probably tell you that and everyone most footballers themselves professional or otherwise would probably say the same thing as well that they're not role models even if they're elevated that position by society um, but whether he should be banned from earning a living and pro- playing his profession in a very limited career for a year um, there, I, I, I don't think that's correct at all I, I, I get where Graham Suness is coming from and, and to be honest he's probably coming from the right place in this manner um, but I think, yeah, a punishment is an order... You, you know, it's not always an eye for an eye, but I think a, a punishment commence, commensurate, is that the word? Or, you know, something that relates to the crime is 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 duly should be applied. And I think that's probably a matter for his club. And maybe you can make an argument at the FA or the Premier League do it for bringing the game into disrepute for the impact it's had on on the reputation of it. But at the same time, like... They shouldn't have the reputation they have. Like the, the footballers don't deserve, don't merit being role models. People shouldn't be following to the level they are and it's I think it's just a lesson to all the society not to be putting these people on pedestals.
0: Well, like that Miguel Antonio clip was, I thought, quite interesting in that, you know, obviously he was just approaching his car. So he didn't exactly, you know, he didn't have the preparations uh, yeah, he he, preparation he knew it was coming, for that. Right? Um, oh, no, he did. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a formal uh, interview. anything. he was just approaching his car. And yeah, I thought he made a, you know, I, I thought it was a strong enough point when you consider like because some of the things that do get brushed under the rug by like. You know, other players in the league have done... I don't really want to make it a, you know, bad thing Olympics, but, you know, other players have done other bad things and it's not been blown up in the way that this was. Like, this became... Like, the fact that we're only... The, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because people are still talking about this today. Yeah. Um, and this is a story that broke, like, literally, I think, this time last week, right after we yeah. finished recording the, the podcast last week. So, you know, I, I think it is a bit mad that a week on we're still talking about it. Like you know the cat's been taken away from him that was the right thing to do the club will find him Uh, two weeks wages, I think so up to to 250,000 pounds which obviously you know that's a lot of money to me and you might not be a whole lot of money to him I think you know education and and learning or teaching him uh, the the appropriate way to, to handle animals is the step forward I think a ban from yeah. football is uh, a, a ludicrous saver from Graham Cena so I didn't realise he was so passionate about animals apparently he's vegan and and all that so I, I get why um, I get why he's angry about it or whatever I just wish he'd have that same energy for some of the stuff that Miguel Antonio brought up um, because he really doesn't
1: no he doesn't and I suppose he has a and the, you know, we don't want to bring in the Paul Pogba and the, the you know, the absolute vitriol and the the steaming rage that infuses Graham Souness whenever that name is uttered. And who knows why he hates him in that regard when he doesn't apply any of the same standards to most other players that do very similar things. Um, it is it is a bit funny, but. Uh, yeah, like I, I can't hold like Graham Finesse's views against him. That they're his own personal views, and it's not like he's wrong morally or any other way about his views. He just isn't necessarily as vocal about other things, and maybe we don't give him as much of a, a platform to speak on on those views. Maybe he's known to be very much, you know, like you said, a vegan or pro animal safety and and anti animal cruelty, <laughs> like the you're right i think the the punishment should be commensurate with the crime um and something like the fine that's been levied down on them is probably sufficient uh, although i would have liked to see west ham and maybe they will and i i'm i'm ignorant on this make like maybe donate to the RSPCA or something or with that money instead of just keeping it for themselves uh, and spending it on something else like it would be better if, if there were, the fine was actually or he was told to give a donation or something like that maybe that will still happen and if they can get him juice, like if the Premier League and or the FA can roll them into doing something positive for animal cruelty charities it's probably better than you know the alternative of just banning him for a year and making him a, a in some regards, a martyr for for people who are against, you know, the RSPCA or similar organisations in the UK, and you know, maybe he will learn something and be educated by it. Like I think, probably on on the media piece, it's a it's a bigger journey to go on because I know from even watching the coverage on Sky Sports, that that soon as the the Newcastle Aston Villa match played, the first thing they showed was a picture of Kurt Zuma warming up. With like being narrated by the the crew, it was the match wasn't even barely it was barely over at at St James's Park, and Kurtzuma who who was fallen sick or something at that point and had to be pulled out of the squad, uh, was still the main news. And then they spo- spent another while leading on it and talking about it, and every reference to the match beforehand was made to that. Um, and even as the match started, I think um, Martin Tyler made a reference to Kurtzuma not being able to play for for reasons. So it, it became the absolute focus, and that was a nar- um It's a narrative, but it was an editorial decision from the broadcaster to go that way. And if you know they don't, as you said, they don't. And as Miguel Antonio elegantly put it, they don't do that about a lot of other things that happen. And maybe you know, if Kurt Suma was an England international instead of a French international, which he has also been excluded from the French squad, I think Deschamps uh, ex- as as thrown him out of the French squad, or he's promised to anyway. Um, it it might have been a bit different if that was the England captain. You know we, we can go into a lot of other stories I'm sure Miguel Antonio could go into them as well but we probably won't at this point but yeah it is I think a very interesting and noteworthy thing to say that they've approached Kurtzuma and this particular infraction and, and, and you know it is it is a a a, a act but they don't do the same with other abhorrent acts from other players that, that play in the Premier League and you know whether they affect animals or they affect people they don't get the same coverage.
0: Yeah, well, moving on then to the on-pitch action. Uh, The top four race took some twists and turns this week, and uh, I thought it was funny. Arsenal, uh, you know, the the website 538 holds like a a table where they give, like, the percentages for where each team is likely to finish. Um, It's usually actually fairly accurate, like not all the time, Mm. obviously, but it's generally a good barometer of where things are. And uh, Arsenal's 538 odds for finishing the top four actually increased over the weekend, despite not playing which I feel yeah. like actually said quite a lot about the teams fighting for top four. And then I suppose we should also say, should Wolves be a part of this conversation now? They've beaten Tottenham 2-0 pretty comfortably. They're above them now on the table.
1: Yeah, like I don't think they have the same power. And I'll come back to that in a, in a moment to talk about the, the, the table, the projected table. It is often correct, but then you know statistics can be manipulated into a way to make things correct. And oftentimes you just have to look at who spends the most amount of money and that generally will tell you who will win the league and who will go down. So, you know, if you're looking for the right metrics, you'll find the, you know, you'll find the answers you're looking for. Um, the only thing with it is, as mortgage brokers will have everyone know, you know, uh, past performance is no indication of future. So, you know, that, that the table is entirely presented on, on the basis of pre-performance. Um, so we'll see whether that finishes up at the end. On the topic of wolves, yeah, I think they have the, their squad is quite good. You know they've lost the Traore, but you know Trinkau is slotted in there, and he's, he seems to be a different kind of player, not as physical, but just as tricky and just as hard to get the ball off of. Um, the only thing with wolves that I have to say is they're difficult to score against, but they don't score a lot of goals either. And they, they, they often, like, I know they, they did do, do well against Spurs, but they often do fail to actually get the ball into the attacking box, really. They can do a lot of good work between the halfway line and the, the edge of an opposition's box, but they they fairly seldom get in there. And, you know, while Raul Jimenez is a very good striker and they have some other very good, you know, attacking-based players, their output isn't needed, isn't anywhere near where they need to be to finish in the top four. I think they could continue to take scalps. I think they're playing Arsenal again in a couple of weeks, and that'll be a a humdinger probably because of the, the, the comments that were made after the the match on Thursday about, about Arsenal and their celebration so I think there's there's a there's a bit of bad blood between the two sides there Um, but we'll see how they wrap up I think they could easily get into that that conversation for the Europa League and the conference league but I think the top four might be a bridge too far for them I think it also speaks a lot to Spurs and where they actually are Um, because I know the I don't know if you want to bring it up but you know the viral clip about uh that Owen Hargreaves and Rio Ferdinand did um when they looked at uh, Manchester United's next 10 fixtures up to the Southampton match, and they were like, win, 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 win. They That's 30 points there, and I think they got less than 20 as it worked out. It's not as bad as it could have been, but I think something similar was done with Spurs. Maybe not as viral as that, but I, I think Antonio Conte has kind of had a fairly good honeymoon period when it comes to media approach, and he's kind of earned it, obviously, from winning the league titles in Italy and in England, indeed. Um, but it, you know it's certain to all those games in hand that they had are starting to dry up now and they're they're finding themselves a bit adrift from from the opposition uh, when they were in a pretty good position in power and considering the fixtures they had they didn't really capitalize on them
0: yeah like the interesting thing about all of this right now is that you know you look at West Ham played 25 Main Isle played 24 Arsenal played 22 Wolves 23 and Tottenham 22 so it is still kind of all up in the air a little um, in mm-hmm. terms of that Arsenal and Tottenham play each other in one of their games in hand, so inherently they both can't win all their games in hand. So in that sense, West Ham and Man United, by being above them in the table, have that slight advantage um, that they have the points on the board. Um, but yeah, like the 538 it's projection... It's one point though, or two it, points. Yeah. Well. It's, it, it's, just, it's just to say that Tottenham and Arsenal can't both then win their, their games oh, and yeah. leapfrog yeah. them. Uh, one of them obviously still can um, and probably will based on the amount of games in hand that they have. Um, in fact, I think it's <laughs> impossible for one of them not to uh, leapfrog Man United and West Ham, based on the fact that Arsenal and Tottenham do play each other. Yeah. Um So I expect but, Arsenal
1: to leapfrog them when they play Brentford. But we'll, yeah, like it's
0: on. it's interesting because um well Man United play next um which true uh, Brighton is, yeah they play Brighton on Tuesday which we'll come back to but uh, the 5:38 projection says that 66 points is generally what will be needed. To get top four, which is pretty low by the, the Yeah, we thought seventy, was, um,
1: didn't we, at the beginning of the season? Around
0: Yeah, and it's been in around between seventy and seventy five in, in previous years. Um so mm. sixty six is low. I remember like the year Leicester won the title is a good barometer because they themselves won the league with a low tally and it was sixty four, mm. I think. Was the year that, oh, that Man City yeah. got um they got fourth with sixty four under Manuel Pellegrini. Um I mean, good I good got fifth. Uh, with 64 mm. as well i believe so um you know maybe goal difference will decide it again but that is a pretty low tally um yeah given even just the amount of games that we have left so you know <laughs> the the thing is like they've all dropped points well arsenal won on, on thursday but the other three have oh, all two dropped match points weeks. Yeah. yeah where they uh, dropped points. points um so you know the the thing going forward to note is that I don't, none of us really believe this, but even statistically, like they won't go on a five or 10 game winning streak and and seal it. So there's going to be plenty of twists twists and turns to come, um, which really makes the whole thing really difficult to predict. Like, West Ham, uh, you know, they drew with the Leicester uh, on Sunday, and that was a game where initially I thought they were playing quite well, and then, and, you know, they were taking advantage of Leicester's kind of poor week where it looked like everything was going wrong for Brendan Rodgers and he might lose his job if they lost that game, and then uh stupid penalty to give away from uh, Aaron Cresswell. Then they just kind of let Leicester back into the game, and, you know, they came away from that saying two all is not a terrible result, but considering where they were after 20 minutes, I think that was... Um, You know, a lot of the the same problems West Ham have had kind of crept in, where they just didn't seem to have anything on the bench that they they could bring on, um, which is what we said last week when we analysed their transfer window, that they they needed that little bit extra in the squad. And and while they take fourth right now on the table, they've they've played the most games. I think that's pretty much why they're fourth. Um, I do think they will drop off. Um, But I, I, I still think it is anyone's game. Like, it's very hard to predict who will get fourth.
1: Yeah, like uh, I thought, it was very interesting the way that West Ham actually deployed Jared Bone as a. It is his first name, Jared, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> as a false ten kind of play, where he was playing as a a nine kind of running through the middle a couple of times, and I thought when he he went down with an injury early on in that game, and I thought, oh no, <laughs> if West Ham lose him, they've nothing else because he was meant to be their extra guy in the bench. He wasn't meant to be a starter, um, straight into the side. But he he's done amazingly well since he's come up from the Championship. Um, like the, their goal differences appear as well west ham have that um r- running into this it, i think it is going to be a very interesting couple of weeks and i like there is the other elephant in the in in the room as well which we haven't mentioned which is chelsea because chelsea haven't had the best post christmas season like they their performances have been poor like they've won one win in five in the league they have been they struggled in the cup competition in the FA Cup specifically and they did really struggle in the club world cup despite winning the thing in the end but the level of Palmeiras and the who know. did they beat in the, yeah, in the semi-final like that wasn't great like that was poor and there was a lot of gamesmanship happening in those games as well did, if you did, saw the way that Cesar Asquilicueta was playing it
0: the, the thing I would say about Chelsea, though, is simply that they have that bit of a gap at the moment. Like, it's six points to West Ham with a game in hand. It's seven to, to Man United, uh, and, I, and, and and I just don't see them losing or dropping enough points that the others catch up. Like, I think that Chelsea will drop points at a similar rate to mm. the likes of West Ham, Man United, Arsenal and Tottenham. Like, I just don't see them dropping yeah. that many more points. Because these four teams just can't string together... A winning run no, uh, yeah. you know it, yeah. if those four teams all kind of caught fire and, and even just two of them went on a bit of a run um, I'd say Chelsea are definitely in danger but right now yeah. I do think that they just have that many more points like look at their goal difference as well at 30 like I do think yeah, it's, a far, fire it's a far again. it's a long
1: yeah yeah. there's no one even close to like tw- within 20 goals of it West Ham are the closest there the only thing to say about it is the, the kind of the main reason I bring it up is Arsenal I, I, they play Brentford I don't know who the game in a, is after that but then I think they play Chelsea so in theory Arsenal would be able to overtake Chelsea uh, I'm not they probably won't because Chelsea probably have played matches in that time but you know in theory Arsenal could have you know be at 49 at 24 matches played uh, or 25 matches played and Chelsea be at 47 with 25 matches played so there is there is the ability for teams to catch uh, Chelsea because some of their games in hand are against these teams immediately below them um, well, I the, think they have a Wolves match in there as well. So there is, you know, there is a possibility there that could be dropping more points to to rivals. The
0: the other really interesting thing just about the the original four that we mentioned is that like they all have to play each other again. Still, yeah. like the North London Derby has to happen what, twice. Um, no, once
1: yeah. it has one. It has one. Was there? One oh, there time.
0: was one earlier in the season. Yeah, but they they have to have the North London Derby. Yeah. United have to play Arsenal and Tottenham uh, I think they I think Arsenal and Tottenham have to play West Ham as well so like there mm. there's plenty oh, yeah. of they're big still, games yeah. still to come which yeah. really makes it a very unpredictable factor and I was actually thinking about this yesterday that despite um, you know United's inconsistency like they beat West Ham twice they beat Tottenham in Tottenham mm-hmm. and they beat Arsenal so those games yeah. are actually like those games are the only reason they're even really in this conversation at the moment which uh, could be maybe a, a, a thing that helps them in the end of the season if they can keep up that form against these teams. Mm.
1: And amazingly enough I think the first half performances and almost the entire performance against Wolves in those games that they won uh, and the game against Arsenal were I think one of Manchester United's worst performances of the season. Like that Wolves game in particular and you know, maybe we'll leave out the Watford match for Man United. But remember that right at the beginning of the season maybe it's the third game of the season mm. and if, if Wolves, like I said earlier, if Wolves actually had a striker or if Adam and Traore could finish dinner United would have been completely bowled away in that match, and maybe Solskjaer would have been gone a lot earlier. Um, as it happened, United went and won that match. Uh, you know, with you know that Paul Pogba tackle thing that led to the goal. Mm. Um, so that you know, this whole season could be swapped around, and Wolves could be where United are, and United could be down down in seventh at the moment. Um, and I still think that's possible. Like Arsenal, like United, have to go. Is it at the Emirates? Yeah, I think they have to go to London. You know, it was a very tight game, and Arsenal kind of blew it. At the time, um, but yeah, at the moment I see, I see it as Arsenal being the pole position. But you know, Man United have far like if you look at it on paper, their squad is far superior than anybody in this in this, in this lineup. And if you look at the coaches, you're looking at Antonio Conte being far superior than anyone in this lineup. Um, so I think every team, and obviously West Ham, have the points on the board, and which is most important, and the goal difference. So any team really could. Could do still do this out of the four that are there. Like they all have, they all have the ability there, except maybe wolves. But they all have the ability that on 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 the table that could really pull it out. Um, it'd be interesting to see because I, you know, as as I predicted many times before, the doom and, and gloom of Chelsea. Maybe they could collapse before this is over and fall into that trap. Um, we'll see how the, the their various commitments in cup competition starts impacting on them, um, and if there is any more dressing room fallout on the way. Um, but yeah, i It's it's a very intriguing race in in a way that maybe the league title race isn't uh, this season.
0: Yeah, it, it is another year where we have to look at the top four, and I suppose we got a bit yeah. of a relegation battle as well for us to be oh, entertained yeah. by. So it's not the worst. Um, it's just a pity if Man City were like ten percent worse or fifteen percent worse. Like this could yeah. have made for a really fun like season. I, um, as it but, stands,
1: I think Liverpool could easily get in the eighties in points. Which is yeah, but what, it, what, what it, I it's predicted.
0: completely irrelevant. Like considering the Man City are going to hit ninety, no problem. But uh, that that's what I mean by like Liverpool were just not quite there in terms of a challenger, which would have made for a really great season if Man City were just slightly worse. But um, yeah. Like the just to just to go back to the top four, like you know, Tottenham lost two games this week to um, Southampton and and three the, on those the Wolves. Yeah, three three in a row. Yeah, first time yeah. Conte uh, has managed a side that's lost three in a row since uh, 2009, and I think it's since 2007 is the last time that Spurs lost four league games in a row, and they play Man City next. So um, you know, it's just. I wonder really, how that one will go. Yeah. Yeah, a really bad run of form for them. I know Conte's gotten a couple of good results against. Um, Pep in the past, and Tottenham do uh, have the that that uh, they do have a bit of a hoodoo over Man City to an extent mm. in recent years. But Man City certainly the favourites in that game, which you know that would really cut them adrift. Um, if the others can pick up some some wins, like uh, you know, we've already said Man, Man United played twice this week. That could that mm. if. They win those two games. Uh, I think it's Brighton and Leeds are the two games. So, yeah, you know, they're right they, up they, there with Chelsea. Yeah. They could win those games, which would yeah. open up a big gap to to tournament. Um, You know the manner in which they lost those games as well. It must be very frustrating for Conte like to give up a two one lead. Uh, you know that late in the game against Southampton. You know, who, you know we've noted they're pretty good against good sides. Got a result against Man United as well at the weekend. They did, yeah. Um, so difficult a difficult game that you know they just. I thought Southampton did deserve something out of it from what I saw, so like that—that's concerning. Um, and then the Wolves game, they just seemed to get blown away in the first twenty minutes, and then just couldn't uh, finish their chances to get back into it. So you know, Harry Kane is is the big problem, I suppose, for them up front in that. While he's getting chances to 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 put them away, he's just not doing it. He's not he's not putting up the numbers that he normally does. So yeah, um, you know if that continues, I I don't really see you know any other solution Conte could come up with. That could turn it around for them, which I think does open the door for for Arsenal and West Ham because, you know, Man United have their own issues as well that we haven't really Mm -hmm. delved into. Um, You know, two draws for them this week. Burnley was the other one midweek. You know, I thought they were the better side in those games and they got a little unlucky to an extent, but. You know, uh, we still saw a lot of the problems that are, that are there in the squad come to the fore. Um, You know, the yep. reason why that they let those games slip is because they can't control games, uh, because yep. they don't really have a midfield. Like McTominay, I think, has really been shown up as, uh, you know, he's not a single pivot in a, in a three-man midfield. He just can't do it. Um and seemingly no one in that team can, so it's really leaving them yeah. very open, and, and it's it's why the teams are being able to get back into into the games that they've uh, not won in recent weeks.
1: Yeah, like these are age old problems with Manchester United. I'd make an argument that you're going back into like before Ferguson's last league winning side before you find a midfield able to control the match. Um, they were very much changing the way they were playing even then to, to being this kind of club where it's bypassing a midfield and it's all attacking players. And for, for all the greats that, that they have up front in terms of historic or, or maybe even overrated in some regards, they well, just they don't.
0: We do have the Cristiano Ronaldo elephant in the room as well in that he's just awful. like I think we should just say that he's awful and he makes my United worse.
1: Yeah, Like I'm, I'm, I'm hard. Yeah, it it does very much seem that like I don't want to like uh, one swallow doesn't make a spring in terms of his ability to to show up and get a goal. But I know you made the point about he's not even showing up anymore to score that last minute goal for United anymore, and he's missing easier chances, and he's still taking. It can be argued he's taking taking goals away from the rest of the team by by continuously being there and taking shots and not you know letting off to his. Uh, to his uh, teammates I, I'm sopping so, I'm short of that because I think the problems lay elsewhere in that team
0: there, there are other problems but I think he yeah. is a significant one as well like him yeah. McTominay I think, uh, him McTominay and De Gea are the three players that I think most immediately need to be replaced this season or in the summer
1: yeah like it, it is yeah it, that's probably fair enough I still think they're they need an identity. I've said this since they appointed Solskjaer and I didn't see an identity with them. I still don't see an identity there. There obviously there's not going to be one because Ranek is a short term appointment. So their next managerial appointment is so important, and that'll have to dictate who they sign because, you know, depending on 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 the the managerial choice, they might need to clear out the whole team. Like because maybe you know Luke Shaw or Harry Maguire or you know someone else who you consider in the team. That's that's kind of. Unsellable at the moment, like Marcus Rashford. Maybe they don't fit in with the the model that their next manager is going to have, and they're going to have to be sacrificed because you know that's what Klopp did, uh, that's what Pep did. You know there was good players there, and they just didn't fit, and they had to get rid of them because they just didn't work in the in the system that they wanted to play. I think that's something that's very much lacking in United. They have all of these different component parts, almost like a Frankenstein monster, or kind of cyborg type of thing where they're like okay this is like Harm Guire is a leader he's good when you're playing a deep line defence he's okay on the ball he's okay in terms of other like organisational skills but is he the right guy to be playing at a very high line Uh, being the only you know the last man back effectively I don't think he is that player and maybe that's because you know Varane isn't always there or because other players aren't always there to cover Um, and you know the same with other positions in the team as well I don't know if they necessarily are the right fits for for the club they're all great individually but there is no team cohesion there I don't see it anyway and as you said you're right the, the goalkeeping the centre forward position and the centre midfield position are still the bugbears of United they have so much riches they've spent so much money and I saw an interesting article last week I think by Swiss Ramble um, analysing the top six and, and their their success or failures in terms of sales in the last like I think five or six years and Manchester United dwarf everybody else but they don't get as much, you know, publicity for the, the amount of failures they made in the transfer market because they kind of have the finances to absorb them. But it's going to—it's caught up to them on the field, I think, because they—they spent all this money and they—they they still don't have. The components of a league or, or a Champions League well, uh, on the side in there I, I think
0: it is fairly obvious how they've aired in the transfer market and I think that, like you know they've like, got away the with it in
1: terms of financial terms like they haven't been they're not in you know deep trouble over it the way that uh, you know a Tottenham would be if they did the same thing
0: that just speaks to the financial juggernaut that yeah. is Manchester United, I suppose. Exactly and the, the, the 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 negative effects of their on pitch performances won't be felt for another 5-10 years if they continue mm. to perform like they are at the moment. Like you know, we saw that happen with Liverpool in the nineties that they yeah. really started to struggle then at the at the turn of the century in terms of finances mm. and, and they had to figure out a new way to keep up, um, yeah. which is what. You know, took them so long to even get back into a yeah. title race under Benitez. So I think the potential is there for that to happen. At United, but right now, they're yeah. still too big as, in terms of a fan base and, and their commercial worth um, for them to be too negatively impacted on that. But they, but in terms of on pitch performances, we can see. You know, the fact that we can still so easily point uh, where. There are problems yeah. in the team, uh, despite the fact that they've spent so much money. Is you know, it speaks to yeah. how poorly run that they've been. And and it's interesting, like obviously they have this new managerial appointment that they need to make. They've got you know Woodward's gone, so they've got a new, um, you know, power structure there as well with uh, Murtaugh and Darren Fletcher and Raniuk will have that consultancy role. That we don't know yeah. what that means at all. Like how much power will he have, and how much will they actually listen to him? We don't know. The two candidates seem to be Mauricio Pochettino and Eric ten Hag, but yeah, again, I suppose we'll no point speculating on that until we know more, really. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a very big summer for them, and I think getting top four is, is an important aspect of that as well.
1: Yeah, but in terms of Manchester United, I don't think it's necessarily essential. Um, like the Europa League is is <laughs> uh, how do you bemoaned? It is ridiculed. It's looked down on, but it's still European football, and it. Offers less pressure than the Champions League does, uh, and I think in terms of a transition or rebuild season, which I know has been basically for ten years now, nearly at Manchester United, has been the ethos every single year. This is a season transition. This is growing towards next season. I think it could be a, an advantage for them, but um we'll see. I'm sure they won't. They won't. They won't uh, look a fourth place finish in the mouth if they do get there. And no manager coming in is going to get there. But yeah, I, I think it's. I think if you look at the clubs that have been going through rebuilds in the last couple of years, with the exception of Liverpool, they're kind of doing in a slower pace. Arsenal and Tottenham certainly have to, had to suffer with the market. They haven't had the buyers available for the players they want to get rid of, and they haven't been able to fill the positions every time with the players they've wanted to get. They've been either usurped, um, or they they just haven't been able to get the money on the table. And I think United, without you know, they have the financial might, no doubt about it, but they don't necessarily have. They can't necessarily control the whole market, and I think that's why it could go on for a couple of years. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see because I don't see them instantly going to the top of the table next year, even if they do appoint a manager and sign a few players. Uh, I think this is a longer term rebuild required. To play the finals,
0: there is nothing in club football as good as the League knockout rounds. At least, that's been the case for the last several years now. But without our glorious away goals and this set of ties, will that still be the case this year? Let's look ahead well, to the, this week's set of fixtures.
1: Yeah, like I, I personally don't like the away goals rule. I've never liked it, not in the modern game. It's I glorious. Think it, did, it served a purpose in, in years gone by, and I'm like talking about before you were born probably, uh, that you would have differences in pitch Quality, you'd have yeah, but the, flights, the you'd function
0: have... the function that it served ended up having uh, as an a, an op- not an opposite effect, but it had a knock on effect that made it e- extremely entertaining, uh, which then kind of superseded the function that it originally served, and that's why it was still worth keeping because you know the uh, I'll defend the wake calls till my death. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's so. Brilliant that you can have a fixture between two teams where suddenly one team is winning and then a goal happens and then they're losing and it ignores the concept of drawing which leads to uh, boring 30 extra minutes of extra time like you know just go straight to penalties really please. Um, you know it's such a it's such a wild swing of emotions like you know we bemoan i suppose the fact that ajax didn't make the champions league final in in 2019 but the the side of seeing uh, euphoria for one team and absolute <laughs> depression crying. for another yeah. like watching the three ajax players fall on their f- knees in like yeah. formation uh yeah, while probably. lucas mora and harry kane and all them run off into the corner like that is one of the great images of uh, European football same when it was Roma against Barcelona and uh, Manilas Manilas running to the corner Peter Drury losing yeah. his mind Messi distraught on the pitch yeah. like these are things that we will Andy Robertson shouting
1: on. in Messi's face <laughs> when the same thing happened the following year yeah
0: like these are the things that we will now miss out on because when mm. if if Manilas scores that goal now it just ties everything up and that's a very anticlimactic feeling even though obviously you know, it, it continues the tie. Um, so, you know, it feels, it, it feels sad that it was just kind of taken away from us without any real like discussion about it. And, you know, even just a, a consensus on whether or not fans actually liked it or not. Um, so it's, I, another, I, it's just another example yeah. of UEFA and decision makers being like, we don't care what fans think. We're just going to do what we want.
1: Yeah. And this governing body, they have that right. I suppose I, I know what you're saying. And I, I think, Clubs have not wanted it for many years, you know, because, it, you know, the original reasoning for it. Some clubs didn't even agree with it back in the day because it was like, well, maybe you should have an advantage for being at home and away goals shouldn't count double and stuff like that. Um, But like, I, I, I think it's going to make, we'll see, I'd say I'd say, if it is terrible and like you said, if it does go to like 120 or was it 180 minutes of just boring passing the ball around, oh, unbelievably careful football, um, we will see a return to the away goal rule, or some other rule put in place, because you know they don't want to harm the product. Uh, I think it's something the clubs have been pulling for for a long time, and, and the opportunity finally came to get something through in COVID times when they were making fundamental changes elsewhere, um, like substitutions and the like. So yeah, I uh, like I I have cautious optimism about this. I'm hoping the teams will go at both ties the same now. Because, like, really, the, the like every team is used to playing at every stadium. There isn't a, you know, obviously some stadia like, you know, Anfield or, I don't know, name another imposing ground. uh Bruce Dortmund's ground, but they're not even in it now. But, you know, certain grounds have an aura about them that, that are, you know, that seem to add to occasions. And maybe in those cases, maybe an away goal is, should be worth more. But I think in the most part... Everyone's used to playing at all of these fancy stadiums. They're used to the hostile environments. The surfaces are nearly uniform. Everything's homogenized. And in that regards, I don't think there should be any particular reward for one team getting a goal in the other. And you know, I, I remember watching Inter AC Milan Champions League matches, and it was just ridiculous that there's even a way goal in those because they play at the same ground. Um so you know, there is stupid things like that happening. But yeah, like we'll we'll see. I think that this'll be the first test of it. As you said, this is the first time we have it encountered at the top level, so I, I hope this teams like will just go at it from minute one and and like they won't be more conservative at home because they're afraid of conceding an away goal. And uh, teams away from home won't be more conservative going away from home because they're you know they're fearful of the away crowd or or, or trying to bring a you know a, a fair enough scoreline back to their home ground. I think it hopefully will will lead to more entertaining football from both sides. But as you said, we don't know until this happens.
0: Yeah, like I, I do think as well that you know sometimes we would have seen a big side go up against a, a smaller side, and the smaller side could actually get a bit of control in the game because they knew the power of the away goal, and the bigger side yeah. would maybe get a bit nervous of that and it would actually strike some fear into them, especially yeah. when like you know they, they the smaller side manages to nick one and then suddenly they have the rousing momentum, whereas now like I look at it and I see you know it's part with Sporting Lisbon go to the Etihad. And they score yeah, a goal, the, and they make it two one. Uh, you know, is that really gonna strike the fear into Man City that they might collapse and crumble? Like I don't think it will. And you know, the the biggest threat is an extra thirty minutes if they concede again. Like I, I don't know. I think that's gonna it's it's gonna favor the big bigger sides again even more. And I think that's why they pushed for it. Uh, they knew so, it was a tool that away sides or uh, smaller sides had to swing ties in their favor. Um, yeah, so
1: I don't. I just don't think there's smaller sides anymore. I know what you're saying. But Sporting there are. There clearly are. Yeah, though. but like
0: Orbe like, Salzburg are going to play against Bayern Munich. We know one of these sides is bigger than the other.
1: Yeah, but uh, like they're both big sides. They're both used to the occasion, and like there will be swings and roundabouts in these matches. There isn't every single football match where there is a team that has a time in the ascendancy. Uh, usually, the smaller side is a shorter amount of time than than the bigger side. <sighs> I know what you're saying. Can I just clarify something? So it's this, is this like League Cup type of away ro- uh, goal rule? They've, they've
0: abolished it completely. So oh, so it's, it's not going to
1: come into effect after the end of extra time. I was just wondering why you kept mentioning the extra time bit. That-
0: well there's the fact that matches are more likely to go to extra time now because you know we we, we like it's often it's common enough that ties that ties are ended by they're decided by away goals so the fact that they're now gone means that more ties will likely go to extra time which i just don't see being entertaining like extra time <laughs> philosophically for me as a as a concept is usually yeah. bad there are very few memorable extra ties and like the the the, the rarity Euro 2000 almost, like that was <laughs> yeah. yeah that had golden goal yeah. which we don't want to bring back either um, no, you know.
1: well like a golden goal isn't well it, it ended up having it like we'll see because like golden goal the, the enticement for that was to make extra time more entertaining because generally what happened before golden goal is that teams would play ultra conservative because but, but it didn't to, work though like, no gold, basically it, it had the opposite effect because exactly. people were more afraid of conceding golden goal so they played even more defensively so they had to get rid of that eventually again like I think the key is probably getting rid of extra time or making extra time more interesting but of course what will happen then is you'll get the extra time impact earlier in the game so instead of it being the 30 minutes after 90 minutes it'll be the 30 minutes after 60 minutes effectively and everyone will just shut up shop and wait out and play for a penalty shootout I don't know but, what but, the but that is, is
0: preferable it. because then we save 30 minutes of our lives by not having to watch extra yeah. time
1: yeah, there, there, yeah but there is something to be said for that maybe that's the way they're going to go I, I, I am thinking in the certainly by the time we come to like a 2030 World Cup I think it's yeah 2030 is, is going to be World Cup we're probably going to have some different form of deciding whether the shootout will follow immediately at 90 minutes or whether they'll have come up with some other new you know hyper mode or something like that where you just lose a player every minute <laughs> until you've got nobody left um, something like that could happen but uh, yeah, like I'm 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 just being cautiously optimistic on this because like I the, the onus for having away goals if you take away the the possible impact you you're saying on on terms of the psychological impact and teams maybe playing setting up a bit earlier I think the the actual reason for having away goals long since left us behind yeah but I think
0: that that is completely irrelevant at this point because uh, like for the last 30 years it has that the the entertainment factor has completely superseded the function and the function became meaningless and was no longer the point like that happens all the time with loads of things there's no
1: (laughs) We won't know for definite until we see like at Yeah least we're going to see
0: how it plays out yeah. now and I suppose we should look at these four games yeah. and, and see what we think is going to happen but I do think it's a shame that they just dumped it uh, without ever really consulting they the They saw an like, opportunity
1: yeah. and they took it you know uh, what's it called the, the Master League the Super League all over again you know
0: so, I suppose we should start with the smaller ties first. Salzburg, Bayern, like even with away goals, I wouldn't have seen any other result than, than Bayern getting through this one and I assume that they'll they'll get through, through this one even more handily now.
1: Yeah, the only thing blocking that is Bayern have had horrible forms since returning from the winter break. Like they did 4-2, they were down 4-1, I think, even after taking the lead at the weekend, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty poor for Bayern Munich. Um, and it was a full Bayern. It wasn't like a joke team they were putting out to rest players for this Champions League match. Like Lewandowski scored at least one of the goals, I think. Um, so they they did have a strong team out there. They're missing a few players, like like I think Neuer's still out because he had surgery there over the winter break. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's still I, out for this match. I think they're hoping
0: for him to be back in time for this match.
1: Yeah. So like there is like that Bayern side is still a bit in flux. I'm not a massive fan of Nagasman. I know people love him and and adore his football, but I think you know I've seen him. I've seen his team say a few times now. I think he's a flamboyantly dressed man and I, I respect him for that but I don't like the, te- the way his teams play football pre- predominantly um, and I think this Bayern side is is long in the tooth mightn't be the correct word for it but there, I think there is flux in that side coming I think there's a lot of age players in there and there's a lot of players that maybe don't fit the Nagelsmann style that are still playing um, so I give Salzburg a chance the only thing obviously with Salzburg is they had a pretty disappointing group stage and early part of the season obviously you have to change their manager um, so they have that kind of badness there, and they, you know, a couple of years ago they would have had Haaland they would have had Minamino, they would have had a few other pretty high quality players that they haven't got the same level of now. Um, so yeah, like I, I agree with you that it looks very strongly like Bayern will, will blow Salzburg away, but you know, there there is a bit more interest in this game because of the the start back after the January break that Bayern have had, and and maybe they're they're a bit slow to start, and maybe they're they're there for the taking if you want them. Like I think. Teams have shown that Nagelsmann can be got at if you bypass his press and get behind his teams. There, there's nothing there. Like I think Manchester United did it against what's it against uh, Leipzig last season. Mm-hmm. Like that you can you can destroy this team if you get at them. Like conversely, they're very strong if they get at you. As a lot of teams saw even in the in, in the group stage and indeed uh, for his Leipzig sides in the past. But you know there there is hope there, however slim.
0: Uh, Then the uh, smaller game on Tuesday night is uh, Sporting against Man City. And Sporting, you know, I think you know they won their first title there last season for the first time in like 19 years. Mm. Uh, They did all right in the group stage. You know, they knocked out Brucey Dormant. They were torn apart by Ajax. But, you know, Ajax are doing that for fun (laughs) to everyone at the moment. They seem to be. But then again, Man City are are, a side that are doing much the same as Ajax. And uh, I kind of expect... Man Man City, obviously, you know, they have that that hoodoo with Shamsi. They do have that odd um, pep moment where he just does something absolutely baffling. But uh, I think, you know, he does normally get through these kind of ties handily enough as well.
1: I think this is going to be the worst tie of the week, possibly, of the whole round. um, Because it's Man City away from home in Europe. It's going to be cagey. They're probably going to win 1-0 or 2-1 or something like that and bring them back to the Etihad for an even more boring game. Um, Yeah, I I like sporting fair play. I didn't expect them to get out of the the groups, to be honest. I didn't think they had it in them. They dispatched Dortmund, which is more a sign of Dortmund's inconsistency and inability to get ties, even though they have a much better player base. Uh, And maybe they can apply the same thing to Man City, but I don't necessarily hold out hope. I think Man City are in steamroller mode, at the moment, I don't know if that'll last till the end of the season. If they if it does, they're going to win everything. But if it doesn't, they're, you know, not going to win everything like last season showed. Um but at the moment I, I, I think they're they're on course to get into the quarterfinals fairly handily and with a victory I'd expect tomorrow.
0: Yeah, then the big game on Wednesday night is uh, Inter Milan against Liverpool at San Siro. Liverpool have already played uh, in San Siro so far this season, and uh, they, they won that game against Milan in the group stage. And, uh, you know, while Inter do come into this game as the champions of Italy and not quite the league leaders, actually, of Syria anymore, they lost that to Milan earlier uh, at, at the mm. weekend. But uh, despite all, all that, and, and it's their first knockout game in like over a decade, I still just kind of see Liverpool plowing through them in this one.
1: Is it really that long that they haven't been in a knockout match? Well yeah, I I, I think Inter and their their sponsorship are going to be seeing the back end of the of this Champions League quite soon. I am I personally have been quite disappointed with the the standard of Italian football in, in continental competition in recent times. And there's nothing this season that's dissuaded me from it. I think they're at different levels at the moment between the absolute top. Like from the from the you know, the how we say the, the teams qualifying the Champions League very similar, but I think at the top level of, of European football, you're looking at, you know, the Liverpools, Bayern Munichs, uh even PSG on, on their day, Man City, Chelsea. Um, I don't think the Italian teams have that level at the moment. I think they're they're The players that they've shed I think they've shown that they're not you know they're not exactly at the level like I'm using Lukaku as the main example here that he's not as necessarily good um, in the Premier League uh, surrounding as he was in Serie A and I can think the same with others so I think Liverpool will have what it takes to to put Inter to the sword if I'm being honest like I think a lot of Inter's players are aged at this point like Ed Njeko leading the line uh, Alexis Sanchez starting as he did at the weekend I imagine he'll start again uh, In this game You know these are players That weren't able to Necessarily cut it At the the Premier League level Well certainly Sanchez At the end of it uh, Dzeko was okay When he left uh, To to go Roma I think at the time Um, But I don't see The rest of the team Like Maybe we'll have A few surprises in there Martinez Maybe we'll do something Um, He's been playing well But uh, uh, Like And obviously Perisic is Perisic is still there Isn't he Mm. I didn't imagine him Scoring at the weekend Didn't he score at the weekend Or was that last week I think he scored I last week
0: I think that was the week before Yeah Jack The Olson midweek matches That, equalized, yeah, that was yeah. the, in the Copa Yeah, but, uh, Oh in the Copa But with, yeah um, I, I'm
1: I'm just saying that they. I don't think they're level You know despite no, them, like, They'd I, I still be my favourites To win Serie A this season The way I think I know Milan have, have usurped them And they're in a good run of form But I don't know if they have The same power to keep doing that Inter have a deeper squad But at the same time I don't think they're at the same level As Liverpool Who will likely Have a full contingent Available to them for this match Or at least as full as it could be um and will want to kind of make their mark on, on on the San Siro because every player does.
0: Yeah, like uh, you know, you, the Inter are a very entertaining side, and, and the, the yeah. Syria Serie A title race is extremely open, and I think that it's you know, Inter are the slight favorites, but I wouldn't say they're massive favorites either to run away mm. with it or anything. I, I do no. think it could go to the final day. Um, which would be extremely exciting and Napoli are in there as well and and it's very fun and I do think the standard of Serie A matches is decent and very entertaining a lot of goals Um, so there's there's, you know it's definitely worth watching every week but um, when it comes to Inter Milan Liverpool, I do just think Liverpool will crush them, uh, and a lot of that is down to how the Serie A sides have performed in Europe in recent years. You're right; they've been they've been underwhelming. Um, mm. You know, Juve got to a couple of finals, but you know, the last of those came in. 2017, I believe, and and since then they've been on a downward trajectory, and it feels like got
1: destroyed it, in that final. By the way,
0: yeah, like it, you know there were mitigating circumstances for why they got destroyed, but they were they yeah. were probably they were very good on the run to that final. They conceded like they two were. goals four. all competition, and they conceded four in the final. Um, Casemiro yeah, um, <laughs> but the 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 thing with Syria is that you know Juve achieved an extremely high level under Allegri uh, in their run to those couple of finals, and then they. Fell off. It wasn't that the rest of Syria caught up to their standard, and that's why they lost the league title. It really was just, Uve completely fell off, and then entered mm. a good couple of seasons under Conte, um, you know, and now they're completely bankrupt basically, and have to lose all their best players. And you know, I yeah. like Simone Inzaghi, but he's not yeah. as good a coach as Antonio Conte. Uh, Antonio Conte. So um, you know. I, I, again, yeah, just fully, like, I just fully—I—I expect Liverpool to be one of the favorites for this yeah. competition wholesale, so they should be getting through winter if they if they want to win this competition.
1: Yeah, like they've kept the winning run going in the Premier League. As you said, they're probably not going to come close to Man City as it, as as it turns out come the end of the year. So I expect at some point they're going to change shift or shift gear to to look at the Champions League more more thoroughly. But it could start now, and and they really could go after it now. And I see no reason why like a high pressing in your face game which Liverpool did bring to the group stage and brought to San Siro and, and, and earned results for it can't work again now and I don't know if Inter are used to playing against that type of football at the moment
0: Yeah and then finally I think the biggest uh, time we're going to this week of all four games is Paris Saint-Germain Real Madrid uh, the Kylian Mbappe derby <laughs> two <laughs> super giants of the game uh, you know the Super Club versus uh, Super League Club um, you know it, it's two clubs that maybe um, are are maybe more flawed than
1: uh, they ought to be, but uh, what are we supposed to expect from this game? <laughs> I'm hoping that PSG like show up. To be honest, I'm I'm hoping as well the Real Madrid beat PSG in this match tomorrow. At least the first leg, so the second leg could be a bit fun because PSG have shown in the past, and and honestly, this could be Pochettino's job as well that they have no bottle. You know they they if if the if something goes wrong the you know they throw the the dummy out and they 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 get cranky and they get petulant they make silly fouls they make mistakes and there's lots of goals and they've done this against Real Madrid I remember, who Neymar hitting Marcelo or something like that and get sent off and the only in the only one of these ties that Neymar actually was fit for before, um, and I always found that hilarious, uh, so I'm hoping that Real Madrid are able to like kind of turn it up uh, and bring it to a new level that they've not really shown this season if I'm being honest even when they have been playing well in in La Liga I still don't think they have the squad there I think it's, like they're getting Mbappe in the summer but they need a few other players in there fundamentally to kind of shake things up and, and get things moving again in, in, in the Spanish capital PSG on the other hand I don't know what they're at this season to be honest like Messi doesn't hit the ground running Mbappe is there or thereabouts but at the same time I, I, I do think he's kind of checked out and the rest of them, uh, like they do feel like a team of mercenaries. I don't think Pochettino's had a massive impact on the side. And the you know, maybe they, they play a bit differently than the way they did under Tuchel. But they're not massively different. And I think teams could still get at them the same way they were got at under Tuchel. And for that, I think Real Madrid are probably favourites for this tie, even though their individual players are far inferior to PSG's.
0: Yeah, like PSG are just so dysfunctional despite the amount of talent ta- ta- that they have, whereas I think Real Madrid are, are extremely functional despite a kind of... Like, there's no real superstar in that team at the minute. Like, Vinicius Jr., I think, has had an exceptional season. Karen Benzman has carried the torch very well. But there's no Galactico there anymore. Like, you know, they've got Crow, Modric, Casemiro. Like, that midfield still does its job very well. Yeah. they're and, holding but it, together, but they're but yeah. How old are they? it, it, it's a very functional side, which it makes it a very interesting matchup. Like I do think that you know nine times out of ten, Real Madrid should be getting through here. But I do think there's that slight chance that PSG just kind of click on the day because they they rise to the occasion, and and then the players, like the big name players, do just kind of work together for once. Um, mm. and you know the thought of that happening you know it could be magical it could be this amazing tie if that happens but I do think it's a very small chance that it does so you know PSG are generally better in, in first legs they're they're better at home usually too so um, maybe that'll favour them in the first leg but I, I'd give Real Madrid the advantage overall
1: yeah you also have to turn like we haven't mentioned we mentioned Pochettino we haven't mentioned Carlo like he mm. knows PSG I personally he's probably the best manager PSG I've had so far If he wasn't lured away from Real Madrid, uh, to win the Champions League, he probably would have at least brought a bit more success and fortune to the to that PSG side, and maybe things would be a bit different, and they wouldn't just be a Galacticos project without the the junior players in there. Um, but like, if rumors, some rumors are to believe, this could be PSG's last big crack at the Champions League as well. Um, if it is, you know, it's it's I don't know whether it's you know allegedly the you know, the, the investment might start to be reduced after this year is over because the World Cup in Qatar is this year and maybe the Qatari Wealth Fund might see other uses of their monies after after the World Cup has passed and that could be the end of the PSG project starting with Mbappe's departure um, and this that means that this is their last real go at a Champions League and they have to show up and I don't know whether Pochettino will instill that into his players that it's it's this is it, like this is your real big chance with this club and... Uh, I don't know. Um, I still am sensing Realms will win it, though I agree with you. Roma from their rooms,
0: Magnus, the Greek God and finally now we've got uh, another full slate of Premier League games coming our way this weekend, plus May 9 v uh, Brighton on Tuesday, I suppose we should start with that one chronologically and uh, how do you see that one going?
1: Well, like, uh, on the basis that I thought Man United would have won, like, I I, I may have been a bit facetious earlier when I mentioned that uh, the Owen Hargreaves-Rio Ferdinand clip of win, 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 win. But I wasn't that far away from agreeing with them. Um, and this one looks on paper to be an easy win for, for Manchester United. Like, Brighton are start, starting to show a bit of fatigue, I suppose. I know they had their win at the weekend, but it wasn't against necessarily the... The most illustrious uh, opponents in the world uh, in in Watford, who are who are looking to hit the bottom, <laughs> pretty soon. But you know they they are they are a team that is is kind of light in terms of their squad, and, and I think they'll start be feeling a bit of form fatigue when Manchester United be able to rotate a bit more, um, and have a bit more about them, especially since they haven't won in the last few weeks. That there is a bit more for them to to actually you know show they can't afford to have a, another game uh, without a victory especially at home uh, because the crowd won't take it and and Raniak's job will probably be in trouble if he he does actually lose this match so I do expect Man United to show up and and win it
0: yeah like I think Man United are kind of due a win based on how their last Mm. few games have gone I think they deserve to win the, th- the all three of the games that they played, but you know that's football. They they didn't take their chances. You know, the other team did, and um, yeah. Brighton famously don't take their chances as well. So uh, maybe yeah. it's Danny an Willbeck ideal. Danny maybe Willbeck. it's yeah, maybe Danny Welbeck a strike, but I, I think it's a bit of an ideal opponent for Man United. I think Brighton's game might suit Man United a bit yeah. better as well. Though Brighton have played quite well against the bigger sides this season. Got a draw at Anfield. Uh, got a draw at Stamford Bridge. Probably Pete should Arsenal, have beaten Arsenal though. earlier in the season can't remember how they did against um uh, Tottenham now they did okay against man city so like they've played well in these big big games they they should have gotten results against man united in the past and didn't uh, famously Bruno Fernandes scoring a penalty oh, yeah. after the final yeah, whistle okay. um yeah so uh, maybe they're due a result against manchester united uh, for all we know but uh, i think this 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 game and the leeds game like uh, coming in their way on sunday both should suit them and i think they they should be getting six points from these two
1: uh, yeah like on the Leeds match I think some at some point Pac- uh, not Pochettino but uh, Bielsa is going to work his style of game against Manchester United because they do look awfully dangerous going forward but they just have no no core to the team no centre to the team and basically you play long balls over the top and you bypass Leeds United and they have been suffering and they do need to get something out of it so you know Man United might have an eye on their Champions League or uh, whatchamacallit match their European tie uh, the following week, and, and it could you know kind of set them back a bit um, in terms of that Leeds game. But yeah, it's probably looking on on course for United to get back up pretty much in touching distance with, with Chelsea.
0: Yeah, then the I suppose the big tie this weekend is Man City and Spurs at the Etihad. And we alluded to it earlier. Uh, are Man City going to absolutely kill Spurs, or can they turn things around?
1: Well. They do like as I said, they're in the seam roller mode. Man City, they're in the mode where they're like it's not boring their opposition to to death, but it is certainly by death by a thousand cuts. And, and I don't see how this Tottenham side can really negate that. They're going to play what they've seen Tottenham do against every big side so far since since certainly since Conte took over, which is put everyone behind the ball and lob it forward to on running Son or if Morris playing or whoever else is playing, and hopefully Kane is there to tap it in if they get something out of it. I don't think this Man City side is going to stand for that. I think they're going to be high pressing. We play a very high line uh, in front of the Tottenham box, and they're going to rain shots in, pass the ball around, and hopefully get early goals for themselves. And and that would be enough for them to 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 shut up shop then for the rest of the game. Like City will have a midweek match that will bear in mind. When Tottenham don't, um, but at the same time, it's not the hardest game as we talked about in the previous part. But it's Sporting Lisbon. It is away in Portugal. Maybe that'll play on their mind because it's. You know It's a Saturday evening kickoff. you know how they say a hangover from Europe often has impacts and we don't really think about it until after the, the season's over and you look at all the fixtures that happened after a European game and how the team playing in Europe were affected by it. So may, I think that's maybe Tottenham's best hope. Other than that, I can't see this being anything but other than a 2-4-0 to four nil victory for Man City.
0: And Are there any, are there any other ties you'd like to, to mention? I suppose Arsenal-Brentford, Arsenal want revenge for that uh, opening day catastrophe.
1: Yeah, I think that, that, that is something that Arsenal will be targeted, and I think at the bottom of the table that will be in a very important tie. I know Brentford got the draw at the weekend but I, I still think they're they're in free-fall mode. Maybe, I, I presume Eriksen's not going to be able to play at that point, um, but maybe he will, I don't know. He, he has the Tottenham connection so maybe he'll want to play that Arsenal match, but it's at the Emirates. I think the crowd will be up for it, especially the way the, the, the kind of they weren't vilified, but you know the, they're criticised necessarily for celebrating, over-celebrating and I think that isn't kind of Oh, fired up the Arsenal contingent on this, so they will be gunning for this match. No pun intended, against Brentford, and they are like local. You know, not historically they they do play each other quite often and and have a history of playing each other. It's fairly friendly, but you know there there is a bit of bit of something there this season after the the way the first game of the season went and Arsenal have a point to prove. I think in this match as well. Although they have very few players left, uh, in terms of attacking players left, I think it'll be uh Lacazette who who can't score. What's the, what's the old term? Hit a barn door uh, with a banjo. He he can't really do that. Martinelli will be suspended for this one. Um, like I, Eddie and a guy that is out of contract at the end of the season isn't going to be kept. You know, he's going to lead the line maybe, or at least be playing in that game. So it'll be kind of it'll be a funny little occasion. Um, so if Arsenal can get someone to score for them, I expect them to win that and and be again for a temporarily at least. Um, well, we'll see what the Man United match, is, but they'll be they'll be at least fifth place, I'd imagine, if not in fourth, uh, and and secure in that, knowing that the weekend's fixtures are ahead. The only one of note I wanted to mention as well is Liverpool Norwich, I think earlier. In the, I think this is the first game of the season. I think these are the repeat fixtures, aren't they? Mm. Um, the first game of the season, like that Norwich actually put up a fight and weren't terrible against Liverpool in that game. But Liverpool have that old history thing of just destroying Norwich, so I mean, if you want goals, I think there might be goals in that game. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're going to bring back Luis Suarez. Uh, They're going to resurrect him (laughs) just for this one. They uh, got a special dispensation by the Premier League to register him in time. So, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. I look forward to his hat-trick this weekend. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, So until then, I suppose, uh, that'll do us for this week. So thank you for being here, Andrew. Thank you for having me, Declan. And we'll be back again to discuss it all next week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then don't forget you can tell family and friends about the show. Spread the word of the Total Football Takeover. This show can also be found on podcast services, including Spotify, by searching Total Football Podcast. You can also subscribe to my own Medium page in the show notes. You can follow Andrew on Twitter at kanban 27 C-O-N-B-O-N, and myself at CheesyHeartPun, C-H-E-E-S-Y-H-I-R-T-E-P-U-N. Most of all, thank you for listening, and we hope to be in your download feed next week too. The more the merrier. That's what we always say.